We have a good God, don't we? Man, he is so wonderful. And something good is going to happen to you today. Do you believe that? All right, the rest of you? I don't know. <laughs> you know, the Lord meets us where our expectation is at. And so I want to just get my expectation way up there. Because, I mean, he is the God of the impossible. Well, hey, I'm going to believe him. Uh, this morning, we are going to be continuing what the Lord has I believe that this is just kind of a mini-series, what we've been doing, uh, talking about offense, and really, higher thought to that really is because we're moving forward together as a church family, and any time that there's forward movement in your life, forward movement together as a family going in a f- uh, forward direction, of course the enemy is not going to like that. He's not going to just say, oh, way to go, guys, continue pressing on. Praise the Lord. He's not going to say that. He is actually going to do everything he can to thwart, to derail, to distract, and to hinder the move of God in your and my life. And so what we've been taking the time to really do is really to see and identify where he's operating and to shut that door every time he tries to poke his head up. So uh, this really, it's it's exciting because it really will protect you down the road, but it will also keep your, your spiritual antennas up a little bit because, again, we weren't born into a playground. We were born in a war zone. And as a Christian body, we've got to get that through our heads. They killed the boss. So if we just kind of think everything's going to be gung-ho and all good for on our end, we have to think differently again because we didn't just enter this to go, yay, swings are great. I just can't wait. To, everything's going to go hunky-dory, kind of what Danielle was even saying this morning. Man, we are in a battle. But God has got our back. And that's the good news about this. I want you guys to go with me just to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 here. Uh, Verses 19 through 20, and I want to just pick up, lay out a quick foundation before we go forward. But uh, we have, as a church family, picked up the ministry that the Lord has entrusted to us. There's a vision that God calls local bodies to, because every local body in even this city has a different vision, has a different purpose. But what God does is he calls families together to propel the vision forward. So what we are here to accomplish, we aren't here to build a big church. We're here to fulfill a vision with big people. Okay, all right. All the men were like, yeah, big. Uh, let's, let's go. All right. Ladies weren't like, yeah, I'm not really interested in that. I'm big spiritually. <laughs> I'll clarify that a little bit. Big people. I'm not amen in that. Spiritualized, we want you to be huge giants in the Lord. So we got some huge spiritual people in the house. <laughs> okay. Awesome. I, f- I felt that. <laughs> So in verse 19, kind of picking up a little bit what the Apostle Paul is saying, if you read it all in context, 2 Corinthians 5 is like my chapter. It's what I go to. I found a personal call in it for myself. But verse 19, he says, In other words, after any man be in Christ, all things have passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come, and all things are of God. In other words, it was through the anointed one, through Jesus, that God, he was shepherding, even he was just pastoring the world. That's what he was doing. Not even keeping records of their transgressions. Isn't that good news? Jesus didn't come down and went, mm, mm-hmm. Oh, you said that about me? Oh, let me just get my little journal. I'm going to put you on my hit list. Okay. Not even counting up their transgressions. And now notice what he has done. He has entrusted to us. Say it, to me. This is something he's entrusted. He trusts you with this. What is it? The ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. That's my job as a believer. That's my job everywhere I go, not just here on a Sunday morning, wherever you may be serving. That's huge, and that's a great place to, op- to be a door opener. But it's everywhere I go in society, I am conscious of the fact I am here to open the door for people to have a, a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And as long as I'm aware of that, I'm not a bouncer going, oh, you, that's how you think. That's how you live, man. You are, you are, what's wrong with you? I know where you're going. Instead of being a bouncer to this reconciliation, I'm now the one to be a door opener just simply to go, you got to meet King Jesus because he's at this door and he will meet you. He loves you right where you're at and he will take you and make your life a whole lot better than you think. That's our introduction. Verse 20. He goes on to say, we are, or I am. Say, I am. What are you? I'm an ambassador. 
I'm an ambassador of the anointed one, and I carry a message of Christ to this world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So he says, we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled to him. Now, I believe because we've taken aggressive steps to carry out his plan in this region, we are aware of what the enemy wants to do. We have to be aware of it. Anytime you are opening the door, anytime you're carrying a message of the gospel, carrying a message of hope, even what Courtney did this morning, even just carrying a message of what Christ has done in my life, that's, that's, a, that's your message. That's your story to show what God's going to do. Well, then Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, he says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. In other ways, Paul was very well aware of the enemy's tactics. He was aware of his cunning ways. He knew how to, he knew he was aware of how the enemy could get in to an open door to now have access into his life. We've got to learn what these doors are so we keep them shut so he doesn't get access in. We're kidding ourselves if we think, ah, that's impossible. That doesn't happen to me. Yes, it does. There are doorways everywhere, and we got to be aware of what opens the door for the enemy to get in. The Message Bible says it like this, we are not oblivious to his sly ways. The Living Bible says, for we know what he is trying to do. So, as a church family, we are intentionally guarding the sweet unity of the Spirit among us. Again, as I said, whenever we go to a new level together, there's going to be greater opportunities for offense. Yay! (laughs) Now, I'll give a couple examples. So, let's just say you've been, maybe you've been part of this church for a really long time. Uh, Anybody been here since the founding days, 1994? Oh, hey now, these, oh, look at these, and they look so young! Look at how did you how did you do it? Okay. So from opening days, maybe you go so about 25, 1994, and you kind of going up. And sometimes what could happen is you could look, there's a lot of new people in this room. Wow, where did they all come from? And instead of going, huh, they look really good, they could actually become a threat. Well, they're changing things. Things are done a little bit differently now. Uh, I don't know. And what happens, there could be a breed of offense that could set in going, man, all these, all these people, I don't, I don't like bigger. It's not about bigger, it's about reaching. So if we can just get off the mindset, I'm looking to make bigger, no, we're looking to reach. And then yet on the other hand, you could be coming in as, a, as somebody new here and kind of going, oh, you know, this, why do they do it this way? That's not how I'm used to be doing it. Oh, I wonder if these people, some of that have been here for a while, do they even like that I'm here? Because they don't say hi to me. They don't, I'm not greeted very properly here. They could be looking at those that have been here for a while as a threat. None of it is true. The bottom line to all of this is you belong here. Period. Whether you've been here for however long 1994 to present day is, or you've been here, this is your first time. There's no difference. You belong here. Part of the family. Could you look at your neighbor for a moment and say, you belong here. Now that might be easy. Now hold on a sec. That might be easy because you're like, yeah, because I brought you here. (laughs) You have to come with me. But now you have to look behind you for a second and go, You belong here. All right, hold on now, everybody. Now, everybody, just stand up for a quick sec. Let's just have a quick little stand-up. And I want you to look all the way to the other side of the room, if you can. If you're short, stand on your chair. And you got to go, hey, yo, you, you, back row. Hey, back row, you guys point to the front row. Back row, you point to the front row. Back row, you point to the front row. Front row, you point to the back row. Middle, you pick a side. And y'all say, you. No, 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 yeah, you, right there, I see you. Back corner, I see you, you belong here. All right, sit down, what, what, what's going on here? What, this is church? What is this, this is not weird. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you. Yeah, but I just come and I eat all the donuts and then I leave. You belong here. We'll send you a bill. But you belong here. <laughs> just mess it, just mess it. <laughs> So this is why we're guarding this with everything we've got. 
because we're not ignorant of how the enemy works. The Lord, he loves unity. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, again, I want this to be a scripture that you just replay it in your head more and more and more. Because it's not just for us as a church family, but also for your home. I'm kind of, what, what we're seeing here, I don't want this just here. I want this in my home as well. So the Apostle Paul, he says, with tender humility and quiet patience. So patience sometimes is actually just keep your mouth shut. Say, what? No, yeah. Shut up. Always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another. That person that you just pointed to way in the back room, and if you're in the back, the person that you just pointed away in the very front, he says, you have to demonstrate generous love toward one another. Especially, someone say it with me, especially toward those who may try your patience. Anybody in this room tried your patience before? Don't point at anybody. Don't look at anybody. Just look at me. Not because I'm your problem. (laughs) But I am supposed to now operate this way, especially those that try my patience. What do I do? I continually to be with tender humility. I can show gentleness, quiet patience, and I can actually uh, demonstrate gentleness and generous love to someone who tries my patience. Why? Why do you want to do that? For the sake of keeping that door shut, I'm not interested in getting into a fight. It takes two to fight. I'm just not going to do it. Verse 3. I may want to, but I'm not going to do it. Say with me. I might want to. And I will, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> All right. So verse 3, he goes on to say, be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace. So whose job is it to guard? It's ours. We got the Spirit of God on the inside of us, but He will help us to guard that sweet unity. And why is it so important? We saw Psalm 133, the importance how God, He commands the blessing where there's unity. Acts chapter 2, I want to read this real quickly to you. Because Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 42 through 47... That's not the right verses down there, guys. Thank you. Uh, but if you could just turn there real quickly in your Bibles, Acts 2, 42, 47, the New Living Bible. Uh, I'll give you kind of a, a type or a quick headline to it. But what took place was there is a deep devotion to the teaching of the apostles. You know what? I got to read it. It's just not, not going to come out right. Acts 4. Oh, you guys. Thank you. Acts 2, 42. Could you guys change it to the New Living for me, please? You guys are good down there. See, generous love. I could be like, come on! But I choose. Hey, it's all good. We're all learning. Mistakes are being made. Is this about being perfect? No, excellence is what we're after. But hey, mistakes will come. All right. Maybe I typed it in wrong. But I probably not me. All right. All right. Thank you so much down there. You guys are that's wonderful. Thank you. Verse 42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, verse 43, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day, say with me, each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Why is the Lord adding? Because it's a safe place to grow. It's a safe place because there's unity. There's this there's there, this camaraderie between one another. There's this, you belong here. I bet you in some of those, in the, in the gathering place, the apostle Peter standing up here and says, hey, point to that guy in the back. Say, you belong here. And the guy's saying, yeah, you belong here. And they're looking at each other. You belong here. No, you belong here. We belong here. It's just coming together. And they shared everything they had. What a beautiful family. Don't you think? And this is what they fought for. Now, thank you for your excitement on that. 
Now, as we said, the devil will do everything he can to derail the plan. And that's why God in his word gives us a heads up or to watch out for the trap so that we don't get snared by the enemy. Now, Luke 17, 1, again, is what Jesus said. He said this to his disciples. It is impossible. Say with me, impossible that no offenses should come. It's impossible. Now that word offense in the Greek is the word scandalon, where we in our English word get the word scandal. So Jesus is saying that offense is the trap or the scandal, the scandalon that the enemy uses to lock up and torment believers. So what is the trap? Something that is going to derail, slow down the plan of God, destroy the unity within a family? Offense. Now, yes, obviously we talk about this local family, but also in your own personal family, in your home. It's possible to get offended with your spouse. It's possible to get offended by your child who may be eight years old. <laughs> I had a big amen up front row here. <laughs> I was like, oh, Lord, I'll just let you take care of that over here. Just let, just. But it's possible. So he's saying, watch out for some of those things. Because it becomes a trap. Jesus said that the last day, or he laid out the progress in Matthew chapter 24. He said, offense begins. He said, many will get offended. And as a result of that, there'll be betrayal. Then there will be hatred. And the results really of a, of a offended heart, it now becomes a breeding ground for deception. And what happens when there's deception? There's now lawlessness or a law unto myself. Because of, I've been hurt, so I put up these walls against other people. The nice Christian word of saying, we just call them boundaries. There's, there's good boundaries, and then there's not good boundaries. There's boundaries that you just put up because you've been hurt too many times, and that's it. I'm not going, every, I'm not going there ever again. They've let me down over and over and over again, so I'm done. Wall goes up, and I'm done. So now we've set up and created these walls, and now it's become a law unto myself, and that's now how the way that I view the world. That's how things are done when the word of God may actually tell us differently. So it becomes a dangerous place for us. And then the result of that is that the love of many will wax cold, Jesus said. Now an offended heart in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 26 is one again a trap from Satan. But I end up doing his errands when I'm offended. An offended heart. Anybody you know, you've seen or maybe you've been part of. Maybe you had a friend that got offended. And what takes place is offended people find offended people and they start talking and chirping behind your back. They even have coffee dates to talk about you. How wonderful is that? And you can see that in politics. Dear Lord, people are offended left, right and center. And the church, we don't want to be part of that. No, I'm not going to be starting around. Oh, did you hear what so and so? Oh, I can't believe that they said. And we think it's okay because we call it discerning. It's offense. You are offended. I'm mad. I'm ticked off. Oh, but I'm just, I'm really being discerning right now. No, you just, you are in the flesh and the devil, you're running errands on the devil's behalf and you're not even realizing it. This is the Bible. I love you. It's, the Bible loves you. It's just, this is what the word says. What we're doing is we're keeping our antennas up so that we don't open the door for the enemy to get in. All right. Continuing on. But if I've been hurt, the only way forward is through humility. We talked on that last week. So for more on that, please hear last week's message. Because grace, what does grace do? He, or what is grace activated? Grace comes to the humble. Pride resists God, or God resists the proud, I should say, sorry. But he gives grace to the humble. So if I've been hurt, what do I need to do? As we saw in Matthew 18, I need to approach somebody. Hey, I need to open up to say, you know what, I've actually been hurt. Anybody ever been hurt before? You've been offended before. I have. And it hurt. And it was, I'm talking about genuine offense. People did something. They mistreated you in such a way. It hurts. But my job is I'm not going to harbor that. I'm not going to let that in. I'm not going to let that fester. First of all, because I want the Lord in my life. But then not only that, but I don't want to give the enemy access in anything going forward. Now, what I want to take some time talking about today, that was just kind of a quick recap of what we did the last two weeks, but how to handle unfair treatment. Because yeah. is it coming? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's coming. Come on, say it with me, it's coming. <laughs> and why am I smiling? Because I read my Bible and I have some good news on it. It's not all bad, but mistreatment 
is coming. Unfair treatment. So how do I handle it? I handle it, number one, is by getting a clear understanding of unfair treatment. I have to get clear understanding from the word about what unfair treatment is. And here's what I need to realize. Number one is I am called to endure unjust suffering. I'm called to it. Oh, I'm just trying to find what my calling is. This is part of your calling is you will be mistreated. Come on, you can just say that over your neighbor. You will be mistreated. Because some of you, I'm not taking for that much for myself. I'm not, not going to prophesy over myself. Mistreatment is coming. So we have to be aware of it. Look at this in first, or Second Peter. No, First Peter chapter 1. No, First Peter chapter 2. Turn there with me. First Peter chapter 2, verse 19. I hope they have that on the screen because I need it. First, there it is. Thank you. Go to verse 19, though, please. 1 Peter 2, 19. Do you have a New Living Bible, Jane, by any chance? No? Okay. Could you pass it up to me? Sorry, y'all. I, I want to read it to you properly. Looking for the New Living Translation. Oh, thank you, sir. I'll get your, I'll get your phone calls, too. If anybody... Hi, Robert's phone. Um, okay. Verse 19, it says, for God is pleased. I'll just keep this just in case. God is what? God is pleased when? Conscious of his will. You, I, patiently endure unjust treatment. When is God pleased? When I patiently endure unjust treatment. Verse 20, of course, he said, just to make this, the level straight here a little bit, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. So if you're just being stupid and you get punishment, you can't just say, oh, all for the glory of God. That doesn't count. <laughs> if you're just going to be a rascal and just go totally against the knowledge of God, go against God's ways of operating and then get mistreated for how I'm being treated. Oh, I'm just suffering for the Lord. No, you suffering for a bad choice. <laughs> Does that make sense? All right. I'm not trying to bash. I'm just, I'm just trying to relay that. It's like, you know, I, I, I won't even go into that. Let's just leave it. <clears throat> but if you, but if you suffer for doing good, and you endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. Man, God is what? He's pleased with that. Verse 21, for God called you to do good. The New King James Bible says it like this, for to this, what is this, this he's talking about? Unjust treatment. You were called. What am I called to? Unjust treatment. I know this isn't the amen, but if you get a realization of what God is going to start doing on your behalf in this, you get excited about it. For to this unjust treatment you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. And that word example, I can't pronounce the Greek word to you right now, but what it is, it's literally a teacher when he goes or she goes up to write on the blackboard and she goes A. And then the students write out A. This is how you do a lowercase b, uppercase. And so the students are copying what they're seeing. This is the word example. Christ laid out an example for you to copy. What did he do? Now, Mark chapter 3, I'll just quickly show you here. Mark 15, verses 3 through 5, talking about Jesus before he's executed. It says, then the ruling priests over and over made bitter accusations against Jesus. But he remained silent. Verse 4. So Pilate questioned him again. Do you have nothing to say? Didn't, don't you hear that these many allegations they're making against you? But Jesus offered no defense to any of the charges. Verse 5. Much to the great astonishment of Pilate. This is like the supreme court that Jesus is standing in, in Israel for Rome. He is standing there and the chief priests are making these false accusations against him. He did this. He said that. He performed this on Sabbath and blah, 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 blah. All pathetic lies, all stuff that just made absolute no sense. You actually can read in the Bible that even some of the Roman rulers are going, we can't even figure you what you guys are saying. 
Pilate knew that they killed him because they were jealous. So Pilate is now saying, why aren't you saying anything? Because Pilate has been there many times before. And every time that they got brought accusations, they would hear the defense. I never did that. I never said that. That's false. That's a lie. You can hear these people justifying for their lives. And they'd be screaming back at Pilate, at the leading priest and going, that's not true. That's not true. Yet he was astonished by Jesus's silence. He didn't say a word. What's up, Jesus? Why aren't you doing anything? Fight back. Come on, stick it to the man. Do something. Tell him how much of a loser he is. He looks horrible in that dress. Say something. (laughs) Jesus remained silent. This is the example. Remember the chalkboard. These unfair, these unjust things being thrown, accusations thrown at him. This slander, the gossip, all this stuff thrown at him. And here's Jesus' example. Here he is showing you and I. I'm not going to defend myself. Now go back to 1 Peter chapter 2. And you see verse 22. Peter now picking up where he was. He never sinned. All of the allegations thrown at him. He never deceived anyone. He is grace and truth in a man. Right? Verse 23. He did not retaliate. When he was insulted, call let's say that he didn't retaliate when insulted. These are big words. They insulted him. He didn't retaliate. Nor threaten revenge when he suffered. What did he do? He left his case in the hands of God. Love these four words who always judges fairly. So what's the example? He left his case. In the hands of God. And what does God do? Who always judges fairly. So when I'm being mistreated. If this is our example. Now teacher Jesus is here to show you and I. This is what you do when people start slandering. Talking about you. Behind your back. Things that just hurt. You didn't get the invite. You didn't get the memo about what's taking place. This is what you do. I'm not going to get involved in that. Remember, just before Jesus went to the cross, he says, uh, uh, the the prince of this world is coming, yet he has nothing in me. How could he say that? He kept his mouth shut. Jesus would never ask you and I to do Ephesians 4, 2, and 3 about guarding that sweet unity with gentle love, especially those that may try your patience. Do you think Jesus has opportunity for his patience to be tested with us? No, I'm a perfect child. Are you kidding me? Do you think Jesus has got some, he's got some work? Especially those that may try his patience. Jesus probably sitting there going, I give you all the time that you need to work this out. I'm patient towards you. Like that's not people's view of God. They go, if God's not, man, he's going to just give me the boot. No, he is patient. That's why we're still on this planet even. It's because he's waiting for those souls to come into his kingdom. He is long suffering. Long suffering. And while he's in this long suffering, he's still patient and kind. (laughs) What a God. All right. Continue reading. So if I'm supposed to now leave my case in the hands of God, how do I do that? If that's what I'm called to, look at Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 19. Again, the Spirit of God is saying, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. All right. Verse 18. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And sometimes that peace is at a distance. He's not saying you have to be buddy-buddy rubbing shoulders for, 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 you know, for the next 50 years. He's just saying, you know what, I'm going to be at peace. I'm going to bless him, but I'm going to have to keep my distance for a bit. That's not wrong. That's totally fine. <laughs> Verse 19, he says, dear friends, never take revenge. Say it with me, never take revenge. <laughs> oh, man. Leave that. What? What am I leaving? The revenge to the righteous anger of God for the scriptures say, 
Now, we can sing this song. I take you at your word. If you said it, I'll believe. This is included. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. So if you're going through something right now and some people are talking nasty about you, this is your promise. God will take revenge. God will pay them back, not you. See, here's the thing. You could pay them back and you could probably win. Right? They said things that are totally out of line, totally out of context. That is not fair. What's being done or said about you could probably present that to a court. You could present that to people around you and say, this is what actually was done me. But do you want to win or do you want to God to move on your behalf? And I'll show you that in a sec. Now, here's just a couple more things that the word of God tells us. Proverbs 20 verse 22. He says, don't ever say I'm going to get even with them if it's the last thing I do. Wrap instead. What do I do? I'm wrapping God's grace around my heart and he will be the one to vindicate me. <laughs> he's going to vindicate me. That word vindicate, simply he's going to clear someone of blame or suspicion and he's going to prove you to be right. That's God's job. Look at this in Proverbs 24, 29. Again, Solomon saying, don't say now I can pay them back for what they've done to me. I'll get even with them. He's saying, don't say that. Don't go down that way. Why? Because God's got my back. Now, a question instead of getting even, what do I do instead when this unfair or unjust treatment comes my way? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Peter is filled with this. I think Peter went through some stuff. <laughs> so he's saying, don't repay. You see this over and over. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. And what is our world filled with now? This. It's all over the place. Instead, so when someone lips you off, gives you a good up and down how piece of work you are, instead, what am I going to do? I'm going to pay him back. With a blessing. Cause it with me. With a blessing. I can hear the excitement in your tone. At this moment, somebody's lipping you off as soon as you get to the restaurant this afternoon. Waiter says something nasty behind you. And so what are you going to do? I'm going to leave him with a blessing. We haven't gotten the joy yet on this. We are going to leave them with what? A blessing. Help me move on, please. Now, why? That is what God has called me to do see so many times I'm waiting God what do you want me to do with my life here it is <laughs> this is part of life is it not you got people around you so guess what a lot of times people are just going to tell you what they think so what do I got to do repay them with a blessing this is what God's called you to do and he will grant you his blessing so when bad things start coming my way, when this unjust treatment starts coming my way, I have a choice to hit them back or to cast my case over into the Lord's hands and bless them. Speak well of them. You know, this Greek word is actually the word, uh, I, I forgot it, but we get the English word eulogy. And what do you do when you're at a funeral? You hear a eulogy and what is a eulogy? You talk about how nasty they were. Oh, I'm so glad that they're dead, man. They were a real blah, 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 blah. No, you hear. I remember hearing, man, I was at, uh, I was at one of Brother Hagen's meetings, and he was talking about uh, there was a gentleman that was in the, in the county that he was in while he was pastoring. This guy was just a jerk to everybody, his family, his wife, just a real jerk all in all. And he had to do the funeral for this man, and he was to give the eulogy. And so people came up to him and just say, what are you going to do? And well, the word of God tells us to never curse, but to bless only. What am I going to do? So he got up there and he said, well, this so-and-so, he had really nice teeth. <laughs> okay. Moving right on. So if you ever hear somebody say, 
you got really nice teeth. Just know, oh, I may need to give them a little bit of space. Just put that in your pocket for a little bit later. (laughs) Now, if I'll handle this persecution right, it'll work for me. If I handle persecution right, it'll work for me. I might as well experience the blessing that God has for me when I'm experiencing these insults. I'd rather put this in the hands of God and experience all that he has in store for me. And a lot of times we're thinking, okay, I'm going to bless this individual who has cursed me. But don't just look back at that individual as going to be the one that's going to bless you back when the Lord's going to bless you through that person. That may not even be the case. I mean, I've had already opportunities in this, uh, my few short years of ministry, where someone has said some really nasty things. And it leaves quite the trail behind. Anybody ever been part of that before? Woo! Glory to God. I didn't quite know it all, but now on the other side of it, I go, oh, I was getting set up for a blessing. We got to start seeing it a little bit differently. God, it's a setup. I don't know if you realize this or not, but we're going to see this in James But we have to consider this a whole lot differently because difficult people is an opportunity for my character to grow. Without difficult people, guess what? It would just be so easy. So next time somebody starts cursing and coming against you, you should go, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Why? My character's got an opportunity to develop. And what's more important than my character, my integrity? Nothing. You know, the proverb even said, it's better to have a good name than riches. So how do I get this good name? Character. (laughs) How do I grow and develop in grace? Hard people. Oh, I just want to grow in grace. I want to just grow in my patience. I want to just grow in all these things. Great. Guess how the growth comes? Difficult people. So rather than looking at, oh, I can't believe this guy. I can't, man, what's he doing? Why is he saying all this stuff? Just go, oh, I'm starting to exercise. And start doing those spiritual push-ups. You have need of these push-ups for later down the road. And as you continue to grow in this, it's just going to get more and more and more. Anytime anybody that chooses to walk with the Lord, they will suffer persecution. So what am I going to do? Just crumble under the weight? No, I mean, I mean, uh, Robert, could you come up here for just a quick sec? I can. He's pretty buff. Right, ish? <laughs> he's, he's buffish. Right? Like I could. Did that hurt? No. No. Not as much. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Your words hurt a little bit more. Well, I'm just trying to find a, something here. That would hurt. Okay, that would hurt. Maybe not Robert, but it may hurt all of a sudden. If I'm, Chelsea, I'm not going to throw this at you, but I could just whip it at her. Why would it hurt? Why would it hurt? I mean, let's, Robert here, he does some sort of push-ups. and Not anymore. Not anymore. He used to. <laughs> Killing my example right off the spot. Thank you, Robert. But the reason some of these things don't even hurt or move him is because he's, he's got some muscle to him. There's, there's something to him. But what happens even spiritually speaking... When people start doing these, these types of things to him, he can take it. Why? Because he's done the reps. He's done the, all right, you're, I see this attack. I see this as a work of the enemy. I am here. I, I'm going to use this as an opportunity. Go to James chapter 1 right now, guys. I'm going to see this or consider this a great opportunity for joy. Troubles are coming my way. And so what does he do? He starts laughing in his bedroom. Harsh words start coming against him. Oh, man, that's the type of electrician you are. You don't even know how, what electricity is. And blah, 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 blah. And he says, yes, I do. I, do. I swear I do. I went to school and everything. I know it all. He's not crying and buckling under the pressure. He's in his room. You're doing verse two. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Bring on those electrical jokes. Bring them on. Come on, yeah, come on. I can do it. I'm an electrician. Yeah, glory to God. I can do it. (laughs) You you can sit. I'm just going to embarrass you. All right. But he starts seeing it as an an opportunity for great joy. Go back to verse 2 there for a sec, guys. Notice what he says. You have to consider it. King James Bible says, see it. As an opportunity. So what this is really is kind of a flipping of the flow. 
Instead of looking at these harsh things, oh man, why are they coming against me? Instead of taking it so personally, see what's behind. If you could, like an onion, pull back all those layers of what's behind all of that, you'll see the devil going, I got to shut this guy up. He is moving forward. He's taking his family. He's raising his children to serve God. I got to do everything I can to shut him up, to derail, to cause a problem in this little family that's taking place. I'm going to throw a rip. I'm going to bring somebody that will just speak this word against him. That's exactly what's taking place. So instead of just taking it, well, (laughs) they're so mean. It's so, how could they say that against me? It's not, don't take it so personally. It's not about you. The enemy's after the word that you've received. You see that in Mark's gospel in the, the parable of the sower. He's the enemy is after the word. So he'll bring trouble. He'll bring trials. He'll bring persecution. Guess where all that comes from? The enemy. And sadly, he's got people that are working on his side. So what do we do as a church? There's so mean, mean people out there. No, we fight back. But it's a completely different fight than what you think. What is the fight? I'm in my room and I'm rejoicing of who God made me in him. I don't get my identity from what I do. I get my identity because I'm connected to King Jesus. That's my union. So now when they start mocking and saying things, oh, this and a little bit of that. Oh, I count it all joy. I see it. Consider it. Great joy. Why? Verse 3. Knowing this or verse 3. For you know that when your faith is being tested... What's get an opportunity to grow? Your endurance. Come on, say it with me, endurance. This Christian life isn't a sprint. We hear that so much. But what does that actually mean? When tough things come my way, I've got to exercise. If something that somebody says to you and go, that was, man, that really hurt. I get that. Work that out with the individual. But at the same time, don't take it personal. Start looking at this going, I have an opportunity for my endurance to grow. This is a great opportunity. And then verse 4 says, it just gets gooder with God. So let it grow. What's the it? Endurance. How could Jesus hang on that cross between every blow of that nail going in his hands, going into his feet, and he can say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How do you get to that point? Stephen, the the evangelist in Acts chapter 7, being stoned. And this rage of these Pharisees were so livid with this man. They picked up rocks and started hucking at him. How do you stand there and go, Lord Jesus, forgive them. We'll probably get into this next week. Forgiveness is the whole central theme of the whole gospel. Father, forgive them. How do you get to that point? They exercised. They exercised. So if you're going, man, I'm quick to get offended. It's just because you haven't worked out in it lately. So what do you got to do? Don't get down on yourself. Start exercising. Start doing those crunchies again. Start doing those push-ups again. Why? Your spiritual life, your family needs you not offended. Because it's derailing a whole host of people. And now they just think, well, this is just how, how I live in this life. People are so mean and harsh. Yeah, it actually is dark and harsh out there. But in the church, it should be soft and gentle and warm and going well what is this it's the atmosphere of king jesus because jesus isn't offended oh i can't believe that's what they believe down there. he's not losing his mind over it what is he doing continuing to show how patient and kind he is with this earth the sun still comes up tomorrow morning What a God we serve. And how does he fight back against the enemy? Is raising kids like you and I to be able to take more on spiritually. Say, Lord, we're going to push this thing forward. We're asking you, Lord, expand our reach. We don't want bigger. We want your kingdom to expand in a greater way. So what does he need? Some children who got some endurance to him. So rather than looking at this unfair treatment coming away and going, this isn't fair. Fair? You deserve hell. That's fair. Let me finish this off. For when your endurance is fully developed, I'm able to run a marathon. I could throw this thing at Robert and he not even blink. When his endurance is fully developed, I will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Those are Bible words. So I don't know about you, but I think we've missed huge opportunities 
to be perfect, complete, and needing nothing. Instead, we are not perfect in our, in our own self. We're just miserable all the time. I don't feel complete in what I can do and who I am. And I need a lot of stuff. Why? Because I'm not exercising. I need to exercise this endurance. So instead now of looking at all these things that are being said, being done, as an attack against you, it's an attack against the kingdom of God. All these bills and things that they're trying to push, stop taking it so personally. They hate the church. Yes, we know. It's going to go more and more. But should that scare us? No, because our endurance is growing as they're talking. And as our endurance is growing, they're actually doing us a favor. If we will work it right. Because listen, I could type some good stuff up and I could press enter and I can make you feel pretty bad about yourself. I'm good with my word. I could say some stuff that could really make you hurt. Or instead, I'm going to go, here, Lord, I'm going to leave this case in your hands. You will vindicate me. I completely trust you with it. And I'm going to just rejoice. And Lord, thank you that my character is develop, my developing. Lord, I'm expecting that as my endurance has a chance to grow, woo, I'm complete, needing nothing. Because Lord, you got my back. Isn't that a good place to be? Yeah. Amen. Can we just stand up together? I'm finished. Not it is finished. It is, it is the end of the day. But can we just declare this together? Is that, is that a help for anybody this morning? Can we just make this, this statement to the Lord and by his grace he'll help us? Can we just say this? Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Father, we take what you've entrusted to us, this ministry of opening the door and carrying your message to our region, to our nation, to our province. And as we do this, Lord, we recognize opportunities for offense will come because the enemy is ticked off by my stance. But Lord, I'm telling you and all the angels and all those devils, listen to me in Jesus' name and by His grace, I take my seat at the Father's right hand. I'm immovable from my spot and I refuse to take things, unfair treatment, unjust words hurtful words I refuse to take those personally instead I leave my case with you and I bless them I speak well of them and I fully trust you to take care of me and to prove me in this situation Jesus Thank you for the example that you left for me. And by your grace and with your strength, I will continue to grow in my endurance so that I will be complete and lacking nothing in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can look at you and people say, what, what are you like? I'm an undefend, unoffendable person. I am unoffendable. Doesn't mean you can't hurt my feelings. Doesn't mean that I don't hurt and that I don't feel it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not just a robot. Da, 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 da. No, you can say things, but I am not going to allow myself to get ensnared by what the enemy is trying to do. I refuse to get trapped by him. So you got to be bold on that. I refuse it. So when those memories come back up, those words come back up, or just something that just ticks you right off, go back, whoa, 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 whoa. I refuse to go in that trap. I can't afford it. My wife and I, we can't have that. With my children as I'm raising, I cannot afford to parent them while I'm in this cage. It's not working. I can't be a husband to this woman when I'm stuck in this cage. Do you know how harsh I've been? Rude I've been? Why? Because I'm stuck in this cage. I'm hurt. And so what do I do? I actually look to hurt her. Why? Because I'm in a cage. So what do I need to do? Lord. I need out of this. Help me. I've been offended. I've been hurt. And allow his grace to propel you on this journey out. Free. Come on, freedom. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Here, sweetie, would you like to, or your, oh. Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. We can do that. We just want to take a quick moment to pray over our province. Uh, election day tomorrow, so please vote.
please vote. Vote where the Lord leads you to vote. But Father, we lift up our province to you. Now, as a, just hold on, before we pray, as an un, unoffendable people, we can pray without any, oh, this drainage or this weight or this burden. No, we, we are free. So Father, we lift up our province, the province of Alberta to you from north to south, east and west. Lord, these boundaries that you've given us this land. Lord, right now we stand on guard for her and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, for your will to be done in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for godly counsel and leaders in our province. Lord, in Jesus' name, in any plans of the enemy, right now we just take our authority. All those lying devils that are sneaking around our province, you must be silenced. You must be stopped in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, your word says that the, your people rejoice when your rulers are in place. So, Father, right now we do our part by bringing and casting our vote for righteousness, for your, for your ways to be established in our government. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. However it looks, we stay on God's side. However it looks. Amen. Refuse to get offended. Hey, I'll do it. Okay. She's signaling me. Say goodbye. Yes. So everyone, thank you so much for coming this morning. We love you, love you, love you. And just a quick one more jab in there is for June 11th. Please, uh, Kevin and Ann Durant are here. If you've not heard them, you will be blessed by that. If you just enjoy like the a fresh flowing of the Spirit of God, they, that's really what their ministry is about. So we'll be having a 6 o'clock service. I know it's a summer potential evening. Make sure you come out for that. Make your time for that because it'll be a powerful time. Uh, so we love you. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday afternoon, and we'll see you throughout this week.